Hey guys, welcome back to Anything Goes. I'm Emma Chamberlain, your host and your bestie, if you want me to be. I swear to God, guess what? I press record and the cats start scratching at the door. This happens without fail every time. It's like they literally wait for me to press record to start meowing at me. It's unbelievable. I will be back. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, today we're going to be doing an advice session. Um, I'm really excited. I had you guys tweet at me on the Twitter at AG Podcast. You can DM me, you can tweet at me, whatever, and I will read through your guys' issues and things that you're struggling with and try to give you my best advice. Again, I've never said this as a disclaimer before, but I do want to remind you, no matter what you're struggling with, it's never a bad idea to seek help, whether it's from an adult in your life, a therapist, a professional, if it's something a little bit more severe. Um, you know, please remember how important those resources are. But I also feel like as a 19-year-old girl who's struggled with a lot of things, um, I still like to give my input to my besties my besties are you guys so let me put pull these up and we'll get we'll get right on started all right this episode of anything goes is presented by azo vaginal health products azo offers an entire line of products designed to help balance your vaginal ph and protect your vaginal health save 20 percent with promo code podcast on azoproducts.com these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can do much more than build a website. You can set up your own online store. It doesn't matter what you sell, physical goods, digital products, services. Squarespace has everything you need to start selling online. You can even sell custom merch. Just design it. Production, inventory, and shipping are all handled for you. And with Squarespace's asset library, you can upload, organize, and access your content all in one place. To get started, head to squarespace.com Emma for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code Emma to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. When you want someone compatible, start the search on Bumble. It has the features you need to find exactly what you're looking for. Like a six-foot Aquarius who likes rock climbing and also wants kids. Or a runner with a penchant for poetry who loves dogs and wants a serious connection. We know you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Download Bumble today. All right. The first person said, I need advice on how to not be super scared of somebody seeing your body when you start a relationship. I have scars on my body and I'm super insecure and I usually get out if something gets serious. I totally understand this. And it is super vulnerable in a relationship when, especially when you're older too, when it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not a middle school relationship anymore. You might have to see my belly button and other stuff. You know what I mean? And it's fucking scary. I, you know, it is terrifying. So for starters, I want to say, you being uncomfortable and frightened by this is totally normal. Totally normal. I don't know one person that doesn't struggle with this, at least in the beginning, like when they first start having relationships that are maybe more mature, where, you know, that's an element. Um, my advice is if you show up with confidence there's just no way you can go wrong. And that's something that I've realized because I've gone through so many phases with my body and the way that I look at my body and, you know, all of that stuff. And every time, whether it's with a new person or it's with somebody I've been dating for six months, I just remember if I show up and I do this shit with confidence, I can't go wrong. And guess what? I've never gone wrong. It's, it's always worked out in my favor because 
if somebody's with you, it's because they they're they're attracted to you and they love you and they appreciate you. You cannot go wrong. But I think that the element of confidence is for you. It's almost like I've used this metaphor before, but it's like when you're sad or you're crying and you look in the mirror and you smile at yourself in the mirror, it immediately helps you stop crying. And it immediately makes you feel better in a weird subconscious way. It's the same thing. If you fucking, okay, not to be like weirdly TMI here, but let's say you're like taking off your shirt. If you're like, fuck it. And you just like take it off and you're not timid about it and you just have confidence about it. You may have to act here. You may have to literally be acting to seem suave about it. Like you don't give a fuck. Like you're just confident and you're like, fuck yeah, I don't give a fuck. That is so attractive, not only to the other person, but also to you. You're going to be like, wait, fuck, that was kind of dope. Like, holy shit. Okay, bitch. You know, like that was fire. Like you're cool. You know what I mean? It makes you feel like I got this shit in the bag and it, it, it makes them believe that you're confident even if you're not it, it almost starts to make you think you're confident when you're not it starts with acting it starts with going through the motions and just acting as confident as you can even if a little bit of acting is needed and then eventually it's gonna be like wait I am actually confident now because I've done this so many times that now I realize like wait I don't need to even act anymore like I actually feel confident in this situation but showing your body to your significant other is so terrifying because number one, of course, as a human being, you want to be attractive to them, right? And there's a lot of moving parts in a romantic relationship. It's like, not only do they need to like you for who you are, but they also need to be attracted to you because there's a whole intimate side to relationships. And I know I struggle with that a lot because I'm like, when I first meet a guy, I'm always like, well, I hope they like it. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? How are you? Like, it's scary. You're like, I hope that they're attracted to me enough to like be in a, re- I'm attractive enough to them to, for them to be in a relationship. It's so, it's so easy to go down that rabbit hole and be like, I hope that they're attracted to me even when I'm not clothed because if not, then this isn't going to work and it, and it's out of your control and it's so easy to be concerned about that but at the end of the day it's really less about what you look like naked and it's a lot more about what's in your heart i know that i could be talking to the best looking guy ever who i was so incredibly physically attracted to but if he was a douchebag that would make him ugly to me immediately whereas i'd so much rather date a guy that i don't even find as attractive but that I have this crazy connection with although I have never dated a guy that I'm not physically attracted to the moral of the story is um physical appearance is really not as important as you think it is when it comes to that stuff and I don't care who you are I don't care what you think about yourself you are hot And you need to look at yourself in the mirror and believe it. I work on this constantly. I'm always trying to do this. I'm always trying to be like, Emma, you are very hot. Yes, Emma, sure. (laughs) Like, even if I'm fucking lying to myself, I'm constantly trying to convince myself of that. And I think it does help. But it's not easy. Moving on. Somebody said, is it cheating if my boyfriend tells other girls that they're pretty or hot? It feels like cheating to me, but I want more input. Here's my possibly old-fashioned opinion. Do I think it's cheating? Kind of. No, it's not fully cheating. No, it's not fully cheating. Because I think fully cheating means it needs to be a lot worse for it to be fully cheating, right? I don't think that cheating is really a word that we need to use in this scenario. I think it's disrespectful. And here's why. Can your boyfriend find other women attractive? Yes, he can. Can he control that? No, he can't. Can you find other men attractive? Yes, you can. 
That's not up to you. I don't care who you are. If you're in a relationship, I don't care how good that relationship is, you still are going to find other people attractive because that's just how this works. But it's how you react to that feeling. Like, if I'm in a relationship and I think another guy is good looking, I can acknowledge that, but I'm also like, okay, but I don't give a fuck. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm never going to, I would never act on it. I don't even want to act on it. It's my worst nightmare to act on it. Like, it's, that's not even on my horizon. And this is not even something that ever needs to be brought up. It's like a passing thought. If I'm dating a guy and he sees a girl on the street and thinks that she's pretty, yeah, I want to punch her in the face, sure. But at the same time, like, that's not something he can control, period. The thing is, him verbalizing this opinion, him verbalizing finding other women attractive at all is completely unnecessary unless it's like maybe between him and his friend. Like if him and his friend are walking on the street and he's like, oh, wow, that girl's beautiful. Okay, come on. That's a hard thing to avoid. But if you're aware that he's calling girls pretty, cute, hot, in any way, that's just disrespectful and unnecessary. If I'm dating a guy, I would never be like, oh, that dude's hot. Ever. I would, I would never do that. I'd never be like, oh, he's really, he's really cute. Ever. Because it's just disrespectful. Actually, I think I did do that once in front of a guy I was dating on accident, but I didn't mean it. And I feel like this is a good exception. Like, one time my friend was on a dating app and she was scrolling through a bunch of guys and I was like, oh, that guy's kind of cute. And I said that in front of the guy that I, in that moment, was dating. And I remember thinking about it after and being like, wait, I, I don't know if that like, I was like, is that not okay? But I think that that's okay because it's so clearly like a guy for my friend. Do you know what I mean? But I don't know. Even that maybe isn't okay. I, but I don't know. I just think it's not respectful. And I think if he's trying to make you jealous, trying to make you feel bad from calling other girls pretty, cute, blah, 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 that's just not a good guy. A good guy should make you feel like you're the only pretty girl in the world. Even though that's not true, but I think that that's where the bar should be. And trust me, it's possible. It is possible. This episode is brought to you by Dove. I'm messy. I'm a messy girl. And when you're as messy as I am, you need a deodorant that doesn't mess around. Enter Dove Vitamin Care Plus deodorant. Its lightweight formula is super powered with vitamin B3 to reinforce your skin's natural odor defenses while providing new levels of skincare for your underarms, keeping you feeling fresh whatever your day throws at you. Dove Vitamin Care Plus deodorant. Learn more at dove.com. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. When you want someone compatible, start the search on Bumble. It has the features you need to find exactly what you're looking for. Like a six-foot Aquarius who likes rock climbing and also wants kids. Or a runner with a penchant for poetry who loves dogs and wants a serious connection. We know you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Download Bumble today. Somebody said, can you give advice for a new YouTuber or somebody who wants to do YouTube editing, scheduling, anything on that area? Sure. Um, honestly, my tips with YouTube are, I recommend uploading as much as you can. I think the best advice I can give is make as many fucking videos as you possibly can. And the reason why this is my advice is because the more videos you make, the more you're going to figure out. You're going to get better at editing. You're going to get better at coming up with ideas. You are going to start to figure out what your style is. You're going to start getting more and more comfortable in front of the camera. It's going to become a routine. Also, the more videos you have up, the more videos people have to watch of you, the more videos that exist of you, and the higher likelihood of somebody being like, wait, I really like this YouTuber. Um... And I binged like 10 of their videos. I really like them. I'm going to subscribe. If you have one video 
people are a lot less likely to subscribe. If you have five videos, people are a lot less likely to subscribe. If you have 30 videos, people are going to be like, this person's consistent. I love them. I'm going to subscribe. Make as many videos as you can. And also, don't be afraid to go outside of the box. Like, if you've never seen somebody do something before, that probably means it's a good idea. Somebody said, hi, Emma, I'm an introvert, but I'm also really social and I like spending time with friends. However, I have this really bad habit of cutting people off when I feel left out or excluded from a group slash friendship. I feel awful and regret it every time, but I feel like I do it for a reason. I often feel really anxious and bad about myself in my big group because I'm usually everyone's last resort. Do I have real problematic trust issues or am I just being overly sensitive? Any advice? I don't think that you have anything to feel guilty about. I don't think that you have even really trust issues necessarily. And I definitely don't think you're being overly sensitive. I think that this friend group dynamic just simply doesn't work for you. And there's nothing negative about that. That's just how it is. There's nothing wrong with you. In a friendship, obviously there's going to be ups and downs. Obviously, sometimes things are going to be rough, but then the next moment they could be great and they could be great for months to follow. Like there's always going to be dips in everything, relationships, life, all of it. But if your instinct wants you to cut somebody off, there's probably a good reason for it. If you feel like you're everybody's last resort and you don't want to be that way, then that's just not the right friend group for you. Go find a friend group that's maybe a little bit smaller, maybe a little bit more intimate, two to five people maybe, or maybe even two to four, two to three, and see how that works out for you. Because I personally am not great in big groups either because it's it's always like that. There's always somebody being left out. And whether it's me feeling bad because I can see somebody being left out, but I don't know what to do about it, or I'm the one being left out, I, it just never works for me. I just don't like it. So I will leave and I don't feel bad. Do you know how many friendships I'm ruining on a day-to-day basis because I just don't have the energy for it or it just doesn't feel right to me? So many. Do I feel guilty about it sometimes? Sure. But what do I remind myself? It's my life and I am number one most important person in my life. The people that I just can't hold friendships with or the people that I've cut off, they'll be fine they're doing just fine without me. You know what I'm saying? They don't need me. I need to do what's best for me. And if that means making different friends, if that means having less friends, whatever that means for me, that's number one priority. So think of it like that. There's nothing wrong with you. You're just not in a friendship dynamic that works best for you. And I think a good way to transition out of it is to have one foot in this friendship, but have another foot in the rest of the world and start looking for new friends. And let me know what happens. I'm, I, I know you're, how you're feeling and I totally get it. And you got this. Somebody said, hi, Emma, do you think it's healthy in a relationship to be seeing each other every day? My boyfriend and I live close and with college being online at the moment due to COVID, we spend all of our time together and we've almost merged into one person at this point. If I want this relationship to last, do you think we need to change? So it's hard to know because I do think it's a very personal thing and like some people can function really well being together constantly because they know how to separate their own lives even though they're together constantly right so even though you know you guys are together 24 7 you're not fully interacting 24 7 it's like you guys are both doing your own school work in different rooms you guys are you know doing certain activities without one another you're not constantly, yes, you're constantly together, but you're not consciously, conscious, constantly together. God, that was a tongue twister. Consciously, constantly together. You guys have a separation mentally because you have your own things going on. You guys have your own lives. Maybe he goes out and goes for a run and you go out and like, you know, like to sit in the park and write poetry. I don't fucking know, but you see what I'm saying? I think when it gets toxic is when you guys are constantly interacting and like constantly checking in on what the other person is doing and, you know, not letting the other person do anything on their own. Like, let's say your boyfriend wants to go on a run 
you're like, I need to come on every run. Like, it's like, there needs to be some distance. You guys need to do some stuff separate. As long as that's happening, I think it's fine. But I do think that distance in relationships is so fucking important because especially at a young age, you still need to form your own identity. I love spending time with dudes when I'm dating them. It's my favorite thing on the planet. It's like an escape. It's great because I love them and I like to look at them and it's amazing. Don't get me wrong. It's like the best thing ever. That sounded really creepy. (laughs) I like to look at them, but you know what I'm saying? Like, right. It's like being with your significant other is like when you, you know, when you're in a positive and healthy relationship, it's like the best shit ever. It's like you feel like relief almost. It's like, okay, finally, it's like something that can help me escape from my problems and make me feel like I'm in a dream world. You know what I mean? That's kind of what a relationship is sometimes. And I think that maintaining that escape quality with your significant other is so important. So even if you guys are spending all like all day together, technically, like you guys are in close proximity all day, still having each other as an escape at the end of the day, when you're done with your work, when you're done with school and being able to escape into them at the end of the day, I think that that's so important. But the only way to maintain that is to have different interests, to have different hobbies, to do different activities throughout the day and not do everything together. That's a huge priority for me. And I think it, it really creates a stronger relationship, but it is hard because it's like when you love somebody, you want to do everything with them. But it, it, I find that spending too much time with your significant other, too much conscious time with your significant other can make things go stale, you know, and it ruins the excitement. That's why it's good to kind of spice things up, go on a trip without them every once in a while, stuff like that. Somebody said, hi, Emma, I'm blonde right now and I bleach my hair every two months and I really want to dye it dark because of seeing your videos because my hair is so dead. I'm not sure though because my family and friends say I shouldn't. If I dye it dark brown or black, can I still dye it back to blonde later? Also, will will this really damage my hair? So we're going to touch on three things within this. Number one, your family and friends are telling you not to do it. Um, that's not up to them. I had a few people that were telling me not to dye my hair dark. And then the second I did it, they were like, wait, you were right. This actually looks really good. So that should tell you right there that like, it's nobody else's decision, but yours make that decision up yourself don't listen to anybody else. Yes, it can be helpful to have some advice. And yes, some people might have good advice. But when it comes to something as mundane as a hair color, that really is up to you. And you're the one that has to look at it in the mirror every day. So I would say, trust yourself. As for dyeing it dark and then going back to blonde, that's super damaging. And I know that because I asked them when I went from blonde to brown, I was like, is there any way I can go back to blonde if I hate it? And they were like, yes, but it's going to be very damaging. Um, so make up your mind. And I was like, okay, I will be brown forever. Um, okay. So Going blonde is tough because that shit just damages you for ever. But it's so fun and blondes have so much more fun. I do miss being blonde a little bit. Let me look in the mirror. Actually, I like the brown now. It's growing on me, but it's it's been it's been a rough journey. Um anyway, I would say go brown. Fuck it. Don't listen to anybody. Get your hair hair back healthy and follow your gut. Next one. Somebody said tips on how to know when you like someone or if you're just attracted to them. Love you, Emma. This actually makes me want to talk about something interesting that my friend told me about. And I want, it's something like, I don't know if it's from a book or from like an article, but let me pull it up. Okay. I can't find it online. So whoops. Actually, wait, I found it. Oh my God. I found it. The three loves theory. Love number one is infatuation and it's an obsessive interest or desire for somebody usually based on their physical or behavioral characteristics. A lot of fantasizing and it's usually sexual. So this is kind of like, you know, what you're referring to where you just find somebody attractive 
and you're kind of fantasizing about the rest. They probably don't fit in the rest of your criteria. Probably not perfect for you personality-wise. Probably wouldn't be a good fit. But you're so physically attracted to them, so infatuated by them, that you kind of love them for their physical appearance. The next one is a romantic love. It's highly passionate. It produces a relationship with high emotional highs and low emotional lows. And your partner becomes addictive almost like a drug. This is kind of like a dependent relationship. This is where it's almost too... You're, you're too into the person to a point where it's toxic and you're too obsessed, it seems like, with the person that it becomes toxic and you feel like you can't live without them, which is not good because I think in a really healthy relationship, you love this person, you choose to be with them every day and you would not want your life without them, but you also know that you would be fine without them. And that actually leads us into the third one, which is commitment. A defined commitment to a single person to share your life with them for an indefinite amount of time, shared identity, goals, values, and visions for the future. This is the most healthy one because I think it's the most balanced. And I think in in the third love, what is it? Concept? I don't know. It's a lot more of a rational love with somebody. It's like, okay, I love this person because they have everything that I need, but I also have balance with them and it's healthy, blah, blah, blah. So I think your goal should always be the third type of love, but inevitably in life, we're going to experience probably all three of those love types a bazillion times, except for not the third one. The first two you might experience multiple times, but I think the third one is kind of who you end up sticking with, at least for majority of your adulthood unless you get a divorce um which happens take it from me uh but you're probably gonna experience infatuation and romance the first two quite a few times to answer your question which is how to know basically if you're dealing with infatuation love where you're just attracted to them on the outside ask yourself this And this is something I always ask myself in relationships and it's the toughest pill to swallow, but it's, would I be friends with this person if there was no romantic element? Would I be friends with this person if we weren't romantic with one another? And if the answer is yes, then I think there's a potential there and it may not be just surface level. It may actually be something deeper. But don't lie to yourself because I've only in my life had one relationship where I could fully say to myself in the mirror with no lie in the back of my throat that I would truly date that person or no, I would truly be friends with that person even if we weren't dating. Now, listen, it's hard to put yourself in that spot because you're like, okay, but like now I know what it's like in a relationship and it's really good and like I wouldn't want to be friends with them. But I also know that if this person was in my life and for some reason I wasn't romantically attracted to them, we would be best friends. Like without that element. Sorry, I'm itching my armpit (laughs) because I have ringworm. And it won't go away. I can't tell if it's eczema or ringworm, but it really looks like ringworm. So I think it's ringworm. But anyway, look at yourself in the mirror and be like, would I hang out with this person if we were not romantically involved at all? And don't lie to yourself. I dated a guy once for literally, God, like a decent amount of time. And I knew the whole time I would not ever be friends with this person, really. Like without the ulterior motive of wanting to date them. And as fucked up as that is, that was the fucking truth of it. That's happened to me multiple times. But especially in one scenario I'm thinking about, I knew it, the whole relationship that we aren't compatible friends wise. We don't have anything in common. If anything, we clash in that area. But I was so physically attracted to this person that I just could not let go and realize like, wait, this shit doesn't work. Um, so yeah, this episode is brought to you by Squarespace. 
With Squarespace, you can do much more than build a website. You can set up your own online store. It doesn't matter what you sell, physical goods, digital products, services. Squarespace has everything you need to start selling online. You can even sell custom merch. Just design it. Production, inventory, and shipping are all handled for you. And with Squarespace's asset library, you can upload, organize, and access your content all in one place. To get started, head to squarespace.com slash Emma for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code Emma to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Who doesn't wish they had a little bit more time? But the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how do we even use it? I feel like if I had an extra hour every day, I would spend it, well, I'd like to say I'd spend it meditating, deep breathing, self-reflecting, but I would probably be using it on my phone. And I know that that's cliche, but it's true. It's good to sit down and think about what's important and make it a priority. And therapy can help you figure that out. A therapist can work with you to define your values and understand your priorities so you know what things you can spend your time on that will really fulfill you. Otherwise, you'll always be wishing for more time. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp offers convenient, affordable online therapy that comes to you. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn how to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash anything today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash anything. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. But I actually want to talk a little bit more about these three types of love because I think it's so interesting. Um, I've experienced the second type as well, which is the romantic one, which is really passionate, crazy high and lows, and your partner becomes addictive, almost like a drug. I've experienced this type of relationship. And it is so emotionally taxing. Like, I know that this isn't really a part of advice session and this isn't really like giving you advice, but it's like, Actually, I am going to give advice about it. And my advice is that if you're in a relationship with like that, it's that's not the type of relationship you want to be in. And the, the hard part is it's hard to distinguish the romantic relationship, the really addictive drug-like one to the commitment type of relationship where you want to spend your life with this person because you're like, holy fuck, I can't live without this person. And you think that. But the problem is, is that in a super addictive relationship, it's not, it's normally very toxic. And that's my personal experience with a relationship that had crazy highs and lows. And I was like so addicted to them. I was miserable. I forgot who I was. I only lived my everyday life for them, but like not in a way that was positive. Because I think that in the third type, the commitment type, that shows a healthier version of the addictive relationship. The committed relationship is like, yes, I think about them all day. I'm very in love with them. They're my best friend. They're perfect, blah, blah, blah. I, th I Yes, I think about them constantly, but there's not th those highs and lows. There's this element of stability within it where you still have time to explore who you are as a person. Your life kind of revolves around them, but not in a way that's like, life sucking. It's like, yeah, my day, my life revolves around them because I love them and I'm excited to see them at the end of the day, or I'm excited to go get lunch with them in the middle of the day. But it's like, I'm not destroying my own life for this person. I'm not canceling every plan that I have for this person. I'm not sacrificing any of my own shit for them. There's a balance. And that's super important to find. Anyway. Next, somebody said, how do I get rid of my fucking eye bags? I've tried almost everything. I feel you because I used to have the same problem um, until I realized that they are genetic and they're going to be there forever. I don't really have eye bags. I have more dark circles, but a lot of people get those too confused. But regardless, under eye bags, uh, dark circles, whatever you may be struggling with in the eye department, there's a decent chance that it's genetic. A lot of that is genetic. And no matter if you get a 12-hour night of sleep or you get a two hour night of sleep, you're still going to have them. And my key is to embrace them. I used to hate my dark circles, but now I like genuinely like them. Like I think that they look cool 
and they make me look like a fucking rock star from the 80s and that's all I want I'm a simple gal okay embrace it I mean of course there's certain things that you can do you know of course you can try to get more sleep of course there's certain like cooling eye products that you can put under your eyes that help with depuffing and stuff like that but at the end of the day if you're getting your sleep and you're doing your skincare and they're still there that probably means it's genetic and embrace that shit there's nothing wrong with it somebody said how to deal with bad gut feelings that have no solid proof oh my god I struggle with this so bad because I have a pretty good intuition in general I find that my intuition is pretty on point most of the time. But I also have really, really bad anxiety. And so sometimes my anxiety will make me believe that I'm having intuitive thoughts about something when in reality it's just my anxiety talking. And the way that I distinguish anxiety from intuition is that whenever I'm anxious, and I know that I'm anxious, I ignore both intuitive and anxious feelings and just exist until they go away. Because I cannot make a rational decision when I'm anxious. I cannot distinguish what's anxiety and what's a gut feeling when I'm in a really anxious moment. And so I just wait until I'm feeling a little bit more rational because anxiety comes in waves, at least for me. I'm not constantly in a crazy state of anxiety there's moments that are really bad and there's moments that are much much better and so in a moment where it's much much better that's when I do some self-reflection and I'm like okay let's assess this feeling of intuition and let's really weigh it out and really think about it but I try not to do that much when I'm in an anxious moment because I know that I'm not being rational a lot of the times your anxiety is lying to you and you just can't mix the two when you're anxious. You just can't because there's been so many times when I've been convinced that something bad had happened to somebody I love, that something bad was going to happen to me, that I was sick, that like, you know, I was, something was wrong with my body. Like I, I needed to go to the doctor or something like that because I had this weird intuitive feeling, but I was so anxious that I couldn't tell. And then it turned out everything was fine. I was just anxious. It wasn't intuition. I've had other times where I've been in a more calm state and I've had a feeling of intuition. I had a gut feeling about something and I ended up being right because it wasn't being clouded by my anxiety. So I trusted my gut feeling a lot quicker that day because I wasn't super anxious. You know what I mean? Somebody said, I'm going to combine these next two. Somebody said, I've been feeling really irritable lately, mostly with my dad. Everything he does annoys me and makes me frustrated. When he walks in the room, the energy becomes negative. I don't know what to do. And then somebody else says, I love being alone, but it's gotten to the point where I hate being in the same room as my own family. Even if it's just one person and I don't have problems with any of them, what is wrong with me? Um, to both of you, I say, this is completely a product of what we're going through right now as a world, right? Especially, you know, at least where I live, which is in the United States. Um, we have been forced, some of us have been forced to be around our family so much more than normal. It's not normal to be around your family Sometimes 24 hours a day, sometimes seven days a week. That's not normal. But now people are working from home. People are doing school from home, um, all of that. And of course, you're going to start getting irritable around these people. You're, you're around them too much with no break. It's impossible not to get frustrated with somebody at least a little bit when you're around them constantly, not to mention your family already has like you already have a shorter fuse for your family than you do for like your friends or you know your significant other like you're already halfway there with your family you know what I mean it's like the room for frustration with family is like there's a lot more room for that than there is for maybe friends or significant other you're already halfway to anger constantly that's the resting position don't be hard on yourself 
try to find any way you can to get out of the house. Any way to have distance from them. Whether that means going on a walk, whether that means walking to the fucking 7-Eleven down the street and like getting a bag of Cheetos and sitting on the curb and eating them by yourself and having that moment, whatever kind of moment you can have right now in this time to yourself is going to help your all your relationships so much. And that's honestly what I would say. Somebody said, I need advice on how to keep friends who don't agree with you on political things. I just think you need to not engage in these conversations. And as important as this stuff is, I think that a lot of people feel the need to talk about it with their friends and, you know, stuff like that. And that's understandable. But if you don't share the same views as your friend and a political conversation wouldn't get either of you anywhere, you just need to have a conversation with your friend and be like, listen, I have my views, you have yours, and we're never going to agree on this. So it would probably be better if we just didn't talk about it at all. It'd be probably better if we just avoided the whole thing altogether and see what they say. And if they're not down for that, then they're, you know, maybe somebody you need to distance yourself from for a little bit because they clearly don't understand that like, you know, sometimes compromises need to be made in a friendship. And if they're not okay with not discussing political stuff, then maybe it's just not the right friend match for you. Simple as that. You're not going to agree with your friends on everything. There are things that I don't agree with my friends on. Sometimes dumb shit. Sometimes like, oh, I don't like pizza. You like pizza. You know, something dumb. I love pizza, by the way, but like, you know what I'm saying? You're not going to agree with everybody on everything. And sometimes those things are just better not discussed at all. They can discuss that with somebody else, somebody who shares a similar view. I think that when conversations with differing opinions are had in respectful and educational ways, that's great. But that's also not always going to be the case. Sorry, it's just not. At a certain point, if you're talking about something that you disagree on, it's probably going to become negative at some point. And usually people aren't willing to budge on their opinions. So request to not discuss. Somebody said, advice on how to wear weirder clothes with confidence. Um, funny story. Today, I actually posted a photo on my Instagram in an outfit that was definitely a little bit eccentric and honestly kind of ugly. Like, I'm wearing a skirt that I thrifted, which it might have been from the Target kids section, actually, possibly, but I liked it. It's like, kind of reminds me of something I would have worn in elementary school. It's like this striped pink, brown, green skirt that has these cool pleats in it. And I'm wearing a button-up shirt that's blue that kind of has these cool 70s circle imprints on it. And I'm wearing a pink jacket and I'm wearing some knee-high black boots. And I really like this outfit because although it was a little bit weird, although it was a little bit eccentric, it kind of reminded me of something like a Barbie would wear or something somebody commented on my photo and said that it's something that a Polly Pocket would wear and although it's something that I maybe wouldn't wear in public I really liked it and I was inspired by it and I really loved how all the pieces look together and I think it's a cool outfit but a lot of people were like Emma this is so fucking ugly and stupid like I was getting genuinely hated on for this outfit and I lost followers people started unfollowing me from this outfit you can uh, go look at it. It's the post that I posted on January 20th. And people were not having it. Like they just didn't like the outfit. My mindset behind putting this outfit together was I, I like it because I think that fashion should be looked at as an art, right? If that's the way you want to look at it. I mean, some people don't want to look at it like that. Some people are like, fashion is convenience for me. I totally get that too. But for me, I like to look at fashion as an art form. And if putting together an outfit that looks like a Polly Pocket from the 70s excites me, I'm going to do that. 
And I'm going to share it with the world because there might be a few people that will get inspiration from it. And there was, I got quite a few comments too that were like, wait, Emma, this outfit's so weird, but it's like kind of dope. That was inspiring to somebody. I've never seen an outfit like the one that I wore in this photo. And I like that about it. I like that I haven't seen anybody wear an outfit like it. That's what's inspiring to me. And even if some people don't like it, even if some people want to unfollow me because they thought my outfit was stupid, um, if people think I'm crazy for it, like whatever, I don't care because I like it. Putting that outfit together makes me feel creative and that's all that matters. I felt confident in the outfit. So who gives a fuck? Also, fashion is so incredibly subjective. It's unbelievable. That's another thing to remember. Literally, all it takes is one person who has influence and who thinks something is cool. All it takes is one person to wear an outfit like that is weird, but that has influence and that people respect in the fashion world for it to become trendy. That's all it takes. When it comes to having confidence and wearing weird stuff, I would say, remember that number one, it's subjective and you could wear something tomorrow that in a year, everybody's wearing. Who knows? It doesn't really matter. Clothes is something that just covers up your inappropriate body parts. That's really at the end of the day what it is. If you want to start dressing a little weirder, do it because you might inspire somebody and that's a really exciting thing to think about. I don't want to wear what everybody else is wearing because that's not going to inspire anybody. I want to do something that nobody's ever seen before. I want to ruffle some feathers. I like that because that's exciting and I have a passion for that. I don't have a passion for copying what everybody else is doing and I've done that for a long time but this outfit was a, an example of me just kind of having fun with it and stepping outside of my box and I think, and I think it's actually a cool outfit. People can say what they want. They can not like it. I don't care. I think it's fucking cool. And that's all that matters. And guess what? If I wear it, if I wore that to the grocery store, I didn't because I literally don't leave my house. But if I were to wear that to the grocery store, I can guarantee I would have at least gotten one compliment because it's different. People like seeing something different. It's eye catching. It's something cool. I may have gotten a few dirty looks, but that one compliment means you're doing something right. And even if they compliment it because it challenged them a little bit in their mind, doesn't matter. Have fun with it because having fun with clothes is so fucking fun. It's so fun. And who cares what anybody else thinks? Most of the time, you're never going to see them again. And when it comes to people at school, they can, people at school can suck my ass. I literally, people at your school, if they try to give you shit, trust me, if you start doing some dope stuff, they're going to be wearing the same stuff in six months. Somebody said, how do you enjoy going out alone? I think my key to this, although sometimes I struggle with anxiety with going out alone and especially recently because, you know, now going out in general and like even going to the store is like difficult. It's like almost impossible not to be kind of uncomfortable by it now these days, at least for me. But what I've found is I use going out and doing things by myself as a time to catch up with myself almost like I'm my own friend and to check in on my own mind and instead of focusing on what everybody else is doing around me I try my absolute best to kind of focus my energy and my thoughts inwards and reflect on myself and use my alone time to do that rather than you know being all weirded out about what everybody else is doing because at the end of the day most of the time, everybody else is also just looking inwards. So it doesn't really matter. Um, I remember I used to eat at restaurants alone sometimes. And people would definitely stare at me and give me weird looks. But I loved it because once I would get over the beginning hump of anxiety with it, I could like, you know, read an article about something. I could listen to a podcast. I could listen to music. I could just enjoy my food and reflect on, you know, how I'm doing in my own life. And it, it's a beautiful thing. It's like, 
it's really great. I think it's just learning how to fall in love with spending time with yourself. And the only way to do that is just by doing it as much as you can. Anyway, that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed. If you have any topics that you want me to talk about, anything specific, it can be literally anything. Um, tweet at me at AG Podcast. Also follow us on the Twitter at AG Podcast to keep up to date with podcast related stuff. Um, you can give us a five stars on Apple Podcasts and leave a little review. That just helps me stay in the loop about, you know, how you guys are feeling about the podcast and it's a great way for me to get feedback. So I really appreciate it. You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts. I love you guys so much and I'll see you next week. I'm going to leave you with one piece of homework. And my one piece of homework is to cook a new recipe this week. Cook something new. Um, I'll actually give you something to cook. If you're somebody who likes broccoli, I found this really amazing and super easy broccoli recipe. And it is, I'll read it off to you. And you can write it down if you'd like. It's so good. Okay, here's how you make it. Obviously, you don't have to make this, but I, want, I encourage you to cook something. But this is my favorite broccoli recipe right now. You mix two tablespoons of tahini, three tablespoons of fresh lemon juice, two large cloves of garlic minced, a half a teaspoon of kosher salt, a few grinds of black pepper, two tablespoons of olive oil. Mix that all together. Then add probably a tablespoon of za'atar seasoning if you don't have that though I think you could probably go without it maybe add parsley or something um but I do love the flavor of it so if you can find that at your grocery store definitely add that and then you take four cups of broccoli and you cut all the stems off and you mix it all up together with the sauce super easy oven at 450 degrees parchment paper, put it on the pan, lay out all of the broccoli, it's nice and spread out, put it in the oven for 10 minutes, delicious broccoli. Literally so good. I'm obsessed with it. Like I literally made some tonight and I ate so much of it, but I like think I'm going to finish off all of it that I roasted. Even though eating too many vegetables will give me gas, but I'm willing to go do it. So I'm going to go eat my broccoli. And I love you guys so much. Thank you for listening to this episode. And I'll see you next week. Bye. Oh, also tweet at me if you cook something. I'd love to see what you guys cooked. Okay, I love you guys. Bye.